there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. This week, I have two very special guests with me. One, I work with her. Aaron Sorensen took a break from watching reality television on Netflix to join us on the podcast. Aaron, how are you? To be fair, I, did, I have watched Ozark too, so I stepped outside of the box a little bit. I'm proud of you. And we also have Senator Megan Hunt on to talk to us about her bill, to talk about name, image, and likeness, and to talk about anything else that she might want to talk about. Senator, thank you for coming on the podcast. One, how are you? Hi, Derek. Hi, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me on. I am hanging in there. Um, Most of my days are spent working from my home with my staff who's working from home, just trying to you know, answer constituent problems, help people through with their unemployment and their housing and their evictions and everything else going on right now. Um, But I'm really excited to talk about this name, image and likeness stuff because everything happening with coronavirus and COVID-19 right now, it's happening to college athletes too. And this is an issue that can actually really help them a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a really, I think it has the potential to be a really fun conversation. It's an exciting time for uh, student athletes all across the country. Um, Aaron, I'm going to let you just kind of take the lead with this because I know that this is something that you're both knowledgeable on and, and passionate about. So I'm going to turn it over to you in a second. But first, I just want to say for everybody listening, make sure you subscribe to the podcast where you listen to it. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Uh, RadioVarsity.com. We've got stuff covering volleyball right now. Jacob Dilla has something up on Missouri grad transfer Kayla Cappy coming I hope I said her last name right I probably didn't um, coming to Nebraska we've got stuff on football recruiting from Greg Smith um, Tom's time is on the website I always advise reading that um, so readhillvarsity.com and Aaron the floor is yours well speaking of reading hillvarsity.com I will say Senator Hunt yes thank you for joining us I Last fall for our volleyball issue, I decided a question that I had last summer was how influential Nebraska's volleyball team was. And this question turned into a deep dive on just how powerful these women are. And I, I kept going further where I thought, how do they compare to other top programs? But then how do they compare to national champ? Like, I mean, like United States, like Olympic athletes, volleyball players. And I kept adding, and I'm like, wow, these women, they just, they surpass everyone. And this is a team in Nebraska that is leading the way in their influence, but they really can't do anything about it until after they graduate. So that obviously has spiraled into a lot of things for me, and I was really excited about your bill. So before, like, to just set the groundwork, I would love to understand a little bit about why you decided to bring this bill forward and why it was something that mattered to you. And why it should have, why Nebraska needed to be on the forefront of this as well. 
Well, I'm, I'm friends with Senator Nancy Skinner, who is the senator in California that introduced their bill to um, kind of lead the way on the conversation nationally about allowing student athletes to benefit from their own name, image, and likeness. California was the first state to pass a law like this. And I watched that go, you know, that process, that process happened last year. And I thought this is something that would really work in Nebraska too. We have, um, we have no competition from professional sports in Nebraska for one thing, which gives our student athletes a competitive advantage economically. Um, and we also have some of the greatest fans in the country, honestly, with Husker football, with Husker volleyball. Um, we have really dedicated fans in our in our Division II schools as well. So I thought that this was something that could work in our state. As a state legislator, I'm always looking at what other state uh, legislatures are doing around the country and trying to see like, what can we copy? What are things that would work in Nebraska too? Um, and this is one of those things that I, I thought would be really good. Um, I come from a background of entrepreneurship. I'm not like a big sports fan. I have to tell your listeners right off the bat, um, I don't really follow a lot of sports. I enjoy sports, but I don't follow them. So my connection to this issue is from that position of entrepreneurship, um, my belief in the free market, honestly, and what the NCAA has done to student athletes is prevent them from participating in the free market, prevent them from earning any kind of compensation in the market for their own name, image, likeness, talent, reputation. Um, and in that way, student athletes are not aligned and treated the same as their peers who are not athletes. So to me, you know, there's a civil rights issue aspect to this. There's a first amendment rights aspect to this, and there's a free market aspect to this. And that was what really drew me to the issue as a legislator. And I, I thought one thing, and I remember I've, I've read so much about this um, pertaining to you. And one of the things that you said is it's just any other student on campus can go out and use their name, their image, their likeness, to, you know, like you said, be an entrepreneur, move their business forward. If they want to have a YouTube channel or they want to monetize their Instagram or start a business, whatever it is. But once you put the athlete into the student part of it, it suddenly goes away. There's just the opportunities are gone. So as you started to have discussions, it seems like you had some immediate support, especially from former student athletes who wanted to step forward and help speak on this. Can you talk to that of just how you either find, did they come to you? Did you reach out? I'm just so curious how those partnerships happen. Well, I reached out. Um, I actually did something that influencers on Instagram and YouTube and Twitter <laughs> do. I went onto Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and I found former Husker athletes, many of whom are now competing in the Olympics. They're now playing on pro teams all over the world. Um, and then some of them are still here locally and they're just working jobs and, you know, doing a normal nine to five thing. And I went on social media. I reached out to all of them that I could. I had a team of three interns that was putting together like lists of, you know, Husker alumni and uh, people who'd gone to Peru State and Shadron State and other colleges around the state. Um, and we were just reaching out to them via social media. I just sent them a note about what I'm trying to do. Would you be interested in testifying? What do you think about this? And we got a lot of support. Um, Jeremiah Searles, who went pro and is now um, working with the university, actually, he came and testified in person. We got many, many letters sent in from former Huskers who have gone pro. 
Um, Danny Woodhead was a supporter who was a star football player at Shadron State. And very interestingly to me, one of the first, um, one of my first colleagues in the Nebraska legislature to sign on to the bill was Senator John Stinner, who was on um, one of the Husker championship teams in the 70s. And he wears his championship ring every day. And Senator Stinner was one of the first people to come on board with the bill. And he also helped me um, explain the importance of this to some of my other colleagues. And I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have gotten the bill as far along as I did without the support of Senator Stinner and then all of those other former athletes who came in to testify in support. And one other piece before I move into kind of where things are today, because a lot has happened even in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but another person that I think people don't realize, like this has actually been a conversation in at least Nebraska for quite some time. And Ernie Chambers was a big piece of trying to show people why student athletes should be able to make money. And how, how did he sort of help or maybe guide through this from his perspective, knowing that he's, he's been pushing for parts of this for a while himself too? Senator Chambers has been fighting to get student athletes paid since the 70s. Um, in the 80s, he had a bill to classify athletes at um, the University of Nebraska system as state employees. And he made the argument that these athletes perform labor that generates revenue for the university and revenue for the state. Um, and so they should be paid that way. And honestly, I thought that was a very logical argument. You know, it's a tough argument to make um, to add all of these athletes onto the state payroll. But the notable thing that he did is when he came to the floor to debate that bill, he was wearing a full Husker uniform. He had a helmet on, he had a football under his arm, and that was just like a legendary moment in Nebraska politics when Senator Chambers did that. That was maybe 83 or something. Um, but with this bill, uh, with, with my bill, which is LB 962, which I introduced in 2020, um, he has been a champion of that bill for me since the beginning. He is in the business and labor committee that had to vote the bill out. Um, I wasn't in the committee when the discussions were happening about whether or not to, to vote the bill out for full debate. But what I understand is that it was Senator Chambers who convinced the committee that it needed to come out. Hmm. Another remarkable thing that he did in support was when we had the committee hearing, Senator Chambers got up from his chair in the committee and came down to the testifier's chair and took his five minutes and he spoke about his support for the bill. And I've never seen that before. Um, you know, people who've been legislature watchers for decades told me that they've never seen that before. So to have his support behind the scenes, but then for him to actually come in and testify as a testifier was, um, you know, I don't know if your listeners can comprehend, but that it's just not done. It was really extraordinary the way that he was able to support it. That's awesome. And I, I think that's the biggest thing. And one of the things that, and I, I guess I should ask before we move into this, but one of the things that, you know, Derek and I were talking about prior to jumping on this podcast was just maybe the role that Nebraska, that people don't realize the role that Nebraska probably has played in the NCAA finally coming forward and saying we have to find an answer to this. But first, I, I completely, I completely pushed this question off where I was like, I have to ask it. It, for people who are trying to understand where it is, obviously everything with COVID-19 has put things kind of a, on a different timeline than originally anticipated. But if you could give everyone who's listening, if they're not familiar, just where the bill is right now and sort of what to expect when things 
resume to some degree. You're totally right that Nebraska has a history of creating an infrastructure through legislation for something like this bill to be possible today. There's a lot less work we have to do um, on the legal side to make this possible. So you're absolutely right about that. In Nebraska, every bill, once it gets out of committee, has to go through three rounds of debate. And then it gets signed by the governor or rejected by the governor. Um, and then it's either law or we can vote to override the veto. So that's the process in Nebraska. Right now, LB 962, which is the Fair Pay to Play Act, that's the bill. It's on the third round of debate, which is called final reading. It means it's made it through two rounds of debate. Um, I've pretty much got all the opposition off it. I expect it to pass with flying colors. And I expected it to come up for uh, our final vote about three days after we actually adjourned. And so we were really so close to becoming the second or third state to pass this bill in the country. But um, because we suspended our session early, we weren't able to do that. However, we will go back into session at some point this year. Some people are saying it'll be late June. Some people are saying August. You know, we don't really know when it's gonna be yet, but when we go back into session, we will pass this bill and then um, athletes will be able to look forward to benefiting from this right away. Yeah, and that was the thing where I, we had this opportunity the last couple of weeks, the NCAA, uh, I sat on the call and listened to Mark Emmer and um, the committee surrounding this, basically saying that the NCAA wants to move forward with finding uh, ways to make it work for student athletes to compensate, be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. And Derek was the one who brought this up, and I'm going to just totally steal what you said, but it feels like to a degree the NCAA is speaking out on this now and saying, we don't have the answer, we don't know what we need to do, but we're going to do something because of all of these state bills that are coming forward. It kind of feels like they weren't able to stay quiet on it any longer because every bill was going to leave them behind. So when I exactly. listened to that, I, I'll be honest, I didn't gain a ton from it because it seemed like it's a group of people still going, we're trying to grasp what we are supposed to do, but it's a step in the right direction at least. So. Do you feel like a little bit of that, like these bills have kind of started pushing that conversation to people who maybe would have like, I don't know, tried to maybe get away from having to have these conversations? Yes, they're still trying to get away from having yeah. these conversations. I mean, power takes whatever it can get away with. And the NCAA has a lot of power and state legislatures. So I'm super passionate about state and local government. I don't care about Congress. I think it's a mess. Like they can go do whatever they're trying to do. But state and local government is at its best when it is pushing institutions like the NCAA, like Congress, which is also considering a name, image, and likeness bill right now, when states get together and we collaborate and we can push legislation like this, that's what forces institutions to change. It's when the pressure from outside of an institution, from the student athletes, from the activists, from the advocates, um, when that pressure is higher than what we have inside the institution, that's when there's an explosion and we get some change. So it's the role of people like me, like Senator Chambers, like all, like Senator Stinner, all of our allies within the system in the Nebraska legislature, in the, in the government, to catalyze that change so that something good can happen to these athletes. Now I have to ask you, one of the things, I, when I was listening that day, I was, I. I took notes and I was trying to kind of 
make sense of what they were trying to make sense of. And really what I came to a conclusion of is they're really in the infancy of their thinking on this. It's, it's at least a step in the right direction, but they're really still kind of grasping at overall. Because one of the things that really stood out to me, as I said, in one breath, there will be no cap on player earnings. And then almost in the exact next breath it was, but maybe there's a limit where you're no longer an amateur. Do you agree with the idea that like there needs to be a cap? I'd assume I know the answer, but I'm just curious <laughs> from your perspective, because they definitely did this weird, like there isn't, but maybe there has to be. And it, it felt weird to me when I was listening to it. No, no, I'm not in favor of a cap at all. Um, I'm in favor of, uh, you know, when these athletes, if they have an agent, they're going to have to disclose that contract. They're going to have to disclose any endorsement deals that they're doing to their university or their post-secondary institution. I think that that is a great limit. I think that that is enough of a limit. And we don't put a cap on the earnings of any other student. When I was 18, I started my first business. I was in college. I grew that company over eight years to a staff of 14 we worked with clients all over the world. It supported my family for eight years. And I couldn't have done that if I was a student athlete because I would have been prevented from these name, image, and likeness rules from leveraging the reputation that I had worked to build as a college student. So there's no reason that we should say, hey, music majors, communications majors, business majors, you go be entrepreneurs and, and you change the world and develop our economy and grow jobs. And you're amazing for doing that at a young age. But if you're a student athlete and you want to do that, um, then we have to put a cap on that or maybe you're getting a little bit too successful. There's just no, there's no reason for that. It's saying we're going to put a limit on what you can earn because we want to keep controlling your value. Um, and that's just really, it's a, it's a really inappropriate thing, honestly. I feel like one of the arguments that I hear quite a bit when people believe that there should be caps or limits is they feel because the quarterback on a successful football team is hypothetically going to have more opportunity to make money based on his name, image, and likeness than, say, an individual that is on name a random team that doesn't get quite the same support from fans. and. I mean, I think to a degree, isn't that just, can't anyone use their name? It, the whole point is to use your name, image, and likeness to the best of the ability that you have in front of you. That that just felt like a strange argument to me that, like, you can't move something forward because one individual has the potential to make more than another. I don't know what yeah, you've heard on that, but that's something that I've yeah. heard a little bit as an argument from people who want to kind of, like, understand the bill. I've certainly heard that argument. And I mean, it's common in any locker room environment that some people receive compensation that's not available to others. It's common in any industry. It's that's called life. I mean, that's that is what it is. And there's no logic to the notion that no one can receive certain benefits unless everybody gets the same benefits. Um, you know, students that aren't athletes. They have different scholarships, they have different skill sets, they take different jobs, they make different wages. So why should student athletes be any different? We, you know, we already know as well that there's inequality among student athletes in terms of their talent, their potential to go pro and have other kinds of opportunities with their athletic talent. What this bill does and what this policy will do is level the playing field and say, 
you can start a business, you can earn what you can instead of earning zero dollars and zero cents. And so even for students who are division two or division three, um, even students who don't want to go pro or have no plans of it, um, this will enable them to monetize a YouTube channel or post a sponsored post on Instagram or coach or teach classes in the off season. I mean, this would mean a, a female golfer at Shadron State could put on a soccer, you know, a, a golf camp for fourth graders back at home if she wanted to. And right now that's illegal. Right now that's not something you can do. So I would say anything that raises your potential to earn beyond zero dollars and zero cents is, um, is an improvement over what we have now. Just to interject, I think it's hilarious that the NCAA is concerned about inequitable earning potential under like a name, image, and likeness situation when there's already inequity inside student athletics. I mean, like football players have better exposure, therefore higher earning potential than, you know, a sport that doesn't have a massive TV deal. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, I have a question for you, Megan. When you first introduced your bill, did you expect it to have the support that it had right away? And I remember seeing kind of the results from the first round of voting on Twitter. And I think it was something like only two people voted against. Did you expect to have that much support for your bill? Well, uh, Derek, I'll tell you, it didn't have a lot of support right away. It had really? almost no support right away. Um, okay. From the time I started thinking about introducing the bill, I had to start building coalitions of stakeholders to persuade them why I thought this was important to do. Um, it, it involved talking to uh, people who are close to the governor, people who are within the University of Nebraska system, people who are within the state college system, um, and my colleagues. And we have very interesting dynamics within the legislature. I mean, there's people who um, will not support anything I do no matter what, just because it's me. And so I had to find allies who are friends with them to go talk to them and make the case to them. It was really an exercise in persuasion from the beginning. And I started doing that before we even went into session this year. Um, in November, December, I started meeting with folks and explaining the bill. Um, and every time anybody had a question or any opposition, we did a lot of research into it. Um, I met with other uh, people. I, I met with people from California who had worked on the bill. I talked to Republicans in California where it passed unanimously in both houses with bipartisan support. Um, so I specifically tried to talk to Republicans. I had several meetings with economists. Um, I met with people from the National College Players Association just to try to debunk and address the opposition that there was to the bill. So by the time it came time to vote on the floor, we did have quite a bit of support. Because um, I really didn't want those arguments to play out on floor debate. I wanted to address them in advance. Um, because that also shows um, the people I'm trying to help. It shows the college athletes, it shows voters, it shows Nebraskans that, um, that this isn't such a bad thing and that there's people in the legislature who are doing their due diligence to make sure people understand the problem. You talked about having support from former players like Jeremiah Searles and Danny Woodhead, but you know, it, when you look around the country and you hear specifically with college football, you hear coaches, head coaches talk about um, how they would like to cling to the notion of amateurism inside college athletics. I'm curious, was there any kind of um, maybe consternation from the athletic department at Nebraska 
with regards no to your bill? Okay. No, there was no consternation from Nebraska. Um, they came and testified in a neutral capacity, which is, I, that was amazing to me. I just wanted them to not testify uh, in the negative. I mean, I thought that they would probably be in opposition, but they came in neutral and they said, um, this is an idea whose time has come. We realized that this is the way things are going. Uh, they acknowledged that I had been a partner from the beginning and sitting down with them, addressing their concerns. We actually rewrote the bill maybe seven or eight times with bill drafters just to make sure that it was something that the colleges and universities could accept. Um, so they were they were cooperative because they were partners from the beginning. And then it seems like to me also, because I know I saw the the back and forth, the one day of spring football we got when Scott Frost said, you know, we have something exciting coming. Nebraska ultimately announced its its partnership with Open Doors to hopefully get ahead of of all of this and provide its student athletes with um, knowledge and an education on how to utilize your name, image, and your likeness. Mm -hmm. So to me, it felt like in that moment when you saw the cohesive effort of Scott Frost talking about it, John Cook, Fred Hoiberg, um, all of the coaches of other sports coming forward and making statements that clearly there was some, there was some place of peace that had come with the university where they weren't fighting against it. At least that's how it came across to me when they made that announcement. Yes, this was a very cooperative, very strategic thing. Um, the university was very smart to see the opportunity in name, image, and likeness. And instead of um, being old fashioned, instead of being um, too traditional, they did, they said themselves, like, we know that this is the way things are going. And so how do we position the University of Nebraska and Nebraska as a state and all of our state universities to come out in front? How can we use this to leverage um, talent attraction and retention? How do we use this to leverage recruiting? How do we use the partners that we have in government to make sure this benefits us too? So that was a strategic conversation from the beginning. And I'm very proud of our state because, um, you know, sometimes we do not have a reputation in Nebraska of being on the forefront of things. We don't have a reputation as um, being future facing or, or leading on progressive issues. And this was a place where we really did an admirable thing that everybody in Nebraska should be very proud of because this is going to pay dividends for decades down the line um, in terms of the type of talent we're able to attract to Nebraska and then what those graduates are going to go on to do. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that really has struck me as I've, I've looked through these. When I did that story last, last fall for our volleyball issue, one of the individuals I spoke about and spoke to was Kenzie Maloney. She now... Um, has taken what at the time when she graduated, she had just over 25,000 followers on Instagram. And within a week or two after graduating, she's starting to, she's starting to do promotional deals for Lululemon. And she um, had a CBD product that uh, she was able to go and uh, promote. And, you know, she was immediately using that power behind her brand to, you know, supplement her income. She still went and got a full-time job, but she's now adding to that with her, her influence and I did ask her and she would have loved to have been able to utilize that influence when she was in college at least because you know she saw that opportunity but wasn't able to do something with it so I think that's everybody every athlete can do every athlete right. can do that you do not have to be the star to 
look good in Lululemon or to yeah. hold up a juice and say, buy my favorite juice. Like this is the new world of social media marketing and all athletes have the opportunity to take advantage of that. Now I do have one question for you that did come up with that call that I was listening on to the NCAA. And this was actually to me one where even I, and so I'm curious from the discussions you had, maybe if this came up and what your thoughts were on it, but it was the one that made me go, okay, I can see where there might be some rules that would need to be, be put in place around this. Is a student athlete in university gear promoting something? Because that could be misinterpreted that the university is supporting and or endorsing whatever it is. So I haven't come to my own conclusion on like how you handle that, but was that something that came up or have you thought about like what maybe would need to be in place to ensure that like there is a line between the endorsement of the student athlete and the endorsement of the university? Well, one way that we tried to address that in my bill is um, that athletes have to disclose contracts to the university. And if that contract violates any university rules, then the university um, has the right to, you know, dispute that contract. So that's something that the university can do internally. And when I say the university, I'm being, um, I'm not saying the right thing because this is all colleges, all post-secondary institutions in Nebraska. So I really want to like try to avoid the yeah. temptation to just talk about UNO and UNL and UNK. And I'm not doing that. I mean, every college. Um, so we do have that protection in the bill. This did come up um, a little bit in debate as well. And kind of where we landed on it and the legislature is let's cross that bridge and we come to it. I mean, if this ends up being a big problem, um, we can address it then. And that's also something schools can address with their own rules. Um, but when you look at the rest of the student body, when you look at non-student athletes, that has not been a problem. I mean, you don't see uh, a lot of, of, of problems with that among the rest of the student population. So I'm not sure that this is necessarily gonna be a problem with student athletes, but we'll wait and see. You know, the thing about the law, we can always change it. So, <laughs> I mean, it's so I'm true. I, I thought about to. it a little bit, like maybe, you know, it's not about dictating what they can, but maybe it's about how, like, maybe you say, like, you can't be wearing the Ohio State University in the photo that you're holding up telling people, and maybe, maybe you, I don't know. Those are those things where I start to get a little bit uncomfortable and dictating too much, but I can understand where there would be some level of concern. Especially Questions when you think have of, come up like, like, what if they're selling guns? What if it's an ad for a pharmaceutical company? What if it's for an oil company? What if it's for a birth control company? Like, you can think of all kinds of, mm -hmm. um, you know, objectionable things that students could do. But I, again, I will make the point that non-student athletes aren't doing that. Um, so let's wait and see. Let's not let's not activate the opposition by making a big deal out of it. And, um, you know, we'll see what, what the free market allows. Because also, I mean, would, would the market really ask for that? Would the market say, I want someone in a Husker shirt advertising oxycodone or something? Like, not really. So let's wait and well, see if that actually becomes a problem. Plus, there's a I side of it where a, a player, if they're asked to endorse something that they don't believe in, they're not going to just endorse that thing just because they want a paycheck. Like, people aren't dumb, I don't think. Like, we're not going to treat them. We shouldn't treat them. Like, they're just going to say yes, yes, yes to every single offer that flies in the door. Like, if they get something that's controversial or something that they're like, eh, maybe I shouldn't do this, they're not just going to be like, yes, give me money. Also, the budget companies have for advertising is not going to go up just because 
because the pool of advertisers goes up. I mean, if, if student athletes are now allowed to endorse or be sponsored by products, that doesn't mean that the companies have more budget for that. So it's not even necessarily true that we'll see a huge spike in um, endorsements to the degree that there's going to be a lot of controversy. Yeah, and I think like for me, like we can, and this is the one that I kind of pointed to is looking at any professional athlete at this point. And that's probably a good guide mark of what is going to be, what will happen like that. In fact, the NFL is one of my favorite things. Like when people point out like, well, the quarterback on a team is going to make more money than the, you know, the starting, the starting center on the offensive line. Well, yeah, but like, that's why the quarterbacks in the NFL go take their offensive linemen out for big grand dinners and buy them jet skis mm -hmm. because they know that like, you've made this possible for me. So you see it's worked, it's worked there, which I get it, it's professional, but we have also seen that has figured itself out with, I don't see a lot of like, Tom Brady isn't doing an advertisement where he's wearing now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but what, you don't see him when he was advertising for UGG, he wasn't decked out in his Patriots gear. He was right. So I think when I look at the NFL or I look at professional sports in general, and if those issues come up in college football or college athletics in general, I should say, they've probably already come up at the professional level. And that probably gives a good guidepost of like how to maybe work through some of those. Because things that those athletes do probably contradict what the teams and the owners and whomever else feels. Mm -hmm they are okay with all the time and they clearly have figured something out and, and that's, that's why i tell my colleagues wait and see you know we don't know if this is going to be a problem and i don't think it will be but let's wait and see not to stick on this point but that problem even if it popped up might be contained to football right because mm -hmm. if you're wanting somebody in their uniform like the only person that really doesn't have facial recognition with the general public would be a football player that's in a helmet all the time. You talk about a volleyball player or a basketball player, their face is visible and you see them more on TV or, or wherever it might be a football player, say like an offensive lineman, or like, if you think about like the punter at UCF that had his YouTube channel shut down, however many years ago, like mm -hmm. those guys are wearing a helmet. So maybe their face isn't as recognizable. So maybe even if that does become a problem, it's only contained to football and that would be easier, I guess, maybe to address. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I so I'm so excited. Like I'm I first and foremost, we need to stay healthy and people need to be, you know, doing what they need to do responsibly so we can, you know, get back and continue the you know, getting these things passed. Um, but I'm excited for when the day comes that it can because for myself, I have been a social media junkie since I was in college. And I remember telling people in college, I think this Facebook thing is going to be legitimately like big for brands. And people thought I was insane. <laughs> and it was like 12 years ago. It's amazing how much things have changed. But I'm very excited because I think for a lot of student athletes, this, this, is, this is groundbreaking. It's going to change their lives. It's going to allow them to continue pursuing the dreams and the sports that maybe they didn't think that was possible because they needed to have a job. They needed to support a family. They needed to have this available to them. And now it's going to give them that opportunity. Cause I should say if the NCAA, they they're looking at a projected like 2000 started the school season, 2021 players would be able to start benefiting from their name, image and likeness. If 
it is voted and approved on at the end of January of next year. So from their perspective, they're like ready to go 2021 if it passes. So, I mean, we're looking at within a year, things getting very real, very fast. <laughs> with, with their restrictions. I mean, what yes. the NCAA wants to do is not quite what this bill does. And when we pass this bill, it has an operative date of on or before uh, July, 2023. So UNL, again, sorry to like only focus on this school, but all colleges would be actually be able to implement this much sooner. Um, I think that would it's responsible. It would be responsible for the NCAA to lift the ban on this fully now because um, there's a lot of income inequality in college athletics. Um, a policy like this would democratize sports in that um, it would allow people who struggle financially to make some money, again, on YouTube, on Facebook, by on Instagram, by giving lessons, by coaching. Um, and these are a lot of people who really rely on on um, who, who really struggle a lot with money. And now with COVID-19, that's even worse. And so the longer we wait to implement this, the more inequality I think there's going to be in athletics. And this is something that has the potential to take a lot of that away. I do like that you, you've brought up a couple of times the ability to do a clinic or to coach because that is something that I don't, I think anybody can really get on board with, at least in my personal opinion, is what is stopping somebody from being able to hold a clinic? You know, go home to their high school and hold one for their community or do one-on-one -on -one coaching lessons with kids in a community who their families want them to learn from them because you see at least when we look at like the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, they do the coaches clinics every year and the, the players help out at that and they're doing it because they want to, but why couldn't they go and essentially create their own camps? And I just, I do think like, it's just like the same. I could have taught swimming lessons during the mm -hmm. summer when I was in high school and college and whatever. And so if I wanted to continue taking that, like I had no, nothing stopping me, but I like that you keep saying the clinics and the coaching as well, because for people who maybe can't get their head around the social part of it yet, or that the brand endorsements, this is also just allowing them to create any form of business that makes sense for them. It's not just the this brand is, endorsement. This is who this bill is for. And that's been my belief since I introduced it. The bill is not for the, the top quarterback. They're going to be fine. This bill is for the D3 soccer player. It's for the D2 swimmer. It's for um, you know, the D1, uh, you know, lacrosse player who's never going to go pro um, because without policy like this, we're taking away an opportunity for them to earn money during some of the most profitable time in their lives. I mean, somebody's value as a coach is going to be much higher when they're in college than when they've been out of college and they haven't been playing for five or six years. Um, so this is really the prime time that a lot of these athletes have to earn based on their talent and their reputation. Mm -hmm. um, so this is really for those athletes who are not the stars, who are not going to go pro, but who still deserve the right to support themselves and to benefit from their own reputation. I love that you're focused on the, you know, the, the, the athletes that maybe aren't getting talked about as much here because when I did that story last year, and I keep referencing it, Derek said I'm going to reference and link to this article until I die, which he's right. Um, until I rewrite it. I you guess. love it so much. I love it. But I think what really stood out to me when I, I did that is people had the assumption that 
football reigned supreme. And while true, volleyball was really leading the way in their space. And I just saw this this whole thing where Lexi's son had, at the time, she's now, since I wrote that story, grown almost like 15,000 followers. But it was mm-hmm. like, she had like 50,000 followers at the time I wrote it. And it's like, she was Gatorade Player of the Year. She's been to the ESPYs. She's incredibly influential. You look at the numbers of likes that their posts are getting versus like the number of people who like them. These are, these are very real engaging numbers. And I just kept thinking like, we're so hyper-focused on football, but like, look at what it's doing to these other sports that could be benefiting from this. And so I love that because yeah, what is stopping the swimmer at Shattern State or, or wherever from holding a clinic? Well, there are. Yes, there are over 5,000 college students in Nebraska who are D2, D3, or NAIA. So, you know, maybe we have five or six stars in our state. Maybe we have two or three stars in our state who who have the possibility of going pro or doing these big endorsements. But we have over 5,000 students, and we have over 10,000 overall who are, you know, are don't have the opportunity to earn money the same way that their peers do. And that's who the bill is really for. But then we do have the Lexi sons. We have the people who are stars and, um, you know, they shouldn't have to wait till they graduate to start to capitalize on that either. Yeah, I love this. I, I would like, I, I, I've been talking about this to anyone who will listen. So it's a lot of our Hale Varsity staff, but like we could just, I mean, we should just like have you on the podcast all the time to talk. Cause I would love it. Um, I'll come back anytime you want. Yeah, I just find this so, and I think it's important for anyone who's listening, but anyone who maybe is unfamiliar with this to, at least in my opinion, open, at least open their minds if they're not completely there yet to the idea that this isn't there to harm their favorite sport. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's there to really probably benefit it. And you think of like you show up on a day on a Saturday to support all of these people in a stadium, or you go to a swim meet, or you go to a soccer match, and those people are doing something that's very entertaining to you. This is allowing them to benefit from it beyond just like, yes, I understand scholarship and gear and stuff, but that stuff doesn't pay your bills. Can't buy groceries with that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I was a communications major and I got a full ride scholarship, but nobody said, Megan, you should be happy enough that you got a scholarship. You shouldn't need to have another job. I worked two jobs all through college because um, I needed to earn money just like anybody else. And college athletes aren't different. Scholarships were never intended to be the same as compensation because you can't pay your rent with scholarships. You can't send a scholarship home to help your mom raise your two little brothers and you can't buy groceries with a scholarship. So that's just never been an argument that I accepted. I I am completely with you. I know like that this is one of those one topics where like if I get pushback on it, like when I've written about, like so when I wrote about the NCAA and there are people who, there's some pushback and feedback when I get it, it doesn't, it just rolls off my back. And this is one, cause I'm like, I just so believe in, I believe in the power of the student athlete and allowing them to, to have control over their name, image, and likeness. And I will say for those listening, the NCAA kind of said that they, they kind of made it seem like there's not a chance for NCAA football, the video game to come back. But you know what? This at least gives you a chance. So push for it. <laughs> for the people who are stuck on the video game. <laughs> They're going to figure out a way to bring the video game. NCAA yeah. has said a lot of stuff that they were wrong about, so. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm like, but this is the pathway <laughs> to get that video game Never back. So that's the only way that you can be on board. Then take it. <laughs> they'll figure out a way to get that game back. I don't, I don't believe we'll get into this new climate and they'll look at it and say, yeah, we don't really want to find a path to bring back this revenue stream, which would be massive. It's just too, right. too big a home run for them to not try to swing for it. Um, Actually, to go back when you say the NCAA at the end of the day is a big business, just like every university, just like every college. Mm-hmm. And so this does benefit those big businesses as well. You're just allowing you're just allowing the people that are making you're moving this along to also benefit from the bigger picture as well. Exactly. And I say that to anybody who wants to make that amateurism argument, too, about, you know, the purity of the sport and the love of the game. Like football is not two nice guys knocking their heads together for fun. College football is big business. People make people make and lose millions of dollars, billions of dollars on college football. So, um, yeah, I would not be surprised to see those games come back. I love it. Now, I will say for anybody who wants to like keep up with you, you are on Twitter at Nebraska Megan. Um, that's a really good spot to kind of, I mean, I follow you, but that's a really I good love spot. Twitter. To- <laughs> it's, you're very good at it. Um, you are very good at taking all of the things that people like all the conversation and like responding. And I have to give you credit. You're very good at it. I like just am always in awe of like your comebacks, your wit. You're just very good at Twitter. I need to like be better at Twitter. <laughs> you don't need to be better at Twitter. I need to get a life. Like that's more <laughs> accurate. It, hey, I I do love it though because I'm like it does open up conversation, and so that's the one benefit. And I, like I said, I, I've I said this on Twitter. I brag to basic. I said it on Facebook too. I brag to basically anyone who will listen that you are my senator. Like you're not just like my a senator in my state. Like you are quite literally my senator. I got to like you were on my ballot. Um, so I like to brag about the fact that you're my senator. So people should follow you. You're at Nebraska Megan. You do share updates of things that are going through. Um, I, I think like it's just really, you're very informative too. So if anybody just wants to kind of have an understanding, you're a really good follow just because I, I learn a lot from what you're willing to share there as well. Thank you, Erin. I appreciate that. It's an important part of the job, I think, you know, and um, especially now people do not have a lot of trust in their government, me included. Um, and I'm part of government, but I'm just a very small part and I, I'm just a normal person. Like I'm a shop owner. I'm a single mom. I'm just from a small town in Nebraska. And so I get it when people don't have a lot of faith in the people who are making decisions for them and anything that I can share or do or explain to help increase the trust and what at least I'm trying to do for people. um, I'm always happy to have that conversation. I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. So we'll be keeping an eye one, like I said, follow you because you do explain when people ask when things might be coming back but once it does go back in a session well it'll definitely be something I will be following very closely and anybody who's a anybody who's a fan of college athletics in general should definitely be paying attention because Nebraska has the opportunity to be on the forefront of a very major conversation it's exciting it is well I really appreciate you coming on the podcast I know I speak for Derek too, for all of us, and we're doing this uh, via Zoom, the uh, official sponsor of literally all COVID-19 business. Uh, Zoom <laughs> makes it, 
everything happened. Uh, they can pay us for that, uh, for that special read. Um, but no, we do appreciate it. And hopefully you stay safe and your staff is staying safe. And hopefully, hopefully we can, I don't know. I don't know what normal looks like anytime soon. So I'm just rolling with it. <laughs> it's never going to be normal again, but I hope that you stay safe, that you stay happy, that you stay close to the people who care about you and keep pursuing the things that you love to do. Thanks for letting me be on your podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thanks, Megan.